have those moments where we feel remarkably unqualified, but for some strange reason, we choose to be unafraid. I'm Jessica Rowe, a film student, creative, and the host of this podcast. I don't know what I'm doing, and neither do my guests, as together we dive into conversations about boldly following our passions and kicking goals, with a focus on creativity and being a young adult in Adelaide, unqualified and unafraid embraces just going for it. It's currently the seven-day lockdown here in SA, so I thought it would be a good excuse to record my first ever solo episode. Well, I guess I'll start with what I do with all my guests every episode, which is get them to tell me a time where they felt unqualified but they chose to be unafraid. So my answer is pretty obvious, but it would be starting this podcast. Obviously, I'm not an expert to talk about anything really. I just um, love creating and wanted to have a platform where I could like have a voice I guess and get to talk to really cool people about topics that I'm interested in. And so even though I felt unqualified, I still went ahead and did it. And it's a bit embarrassing. Like I still cringe when people are like, oh, you have a podcast. I make myself cringe because it's like, oh, why do I think I should have a podcast? You know what I mean? Like, why am I so important that I should have a podcast? Like, why would people care about I want about what I want to say? And I worry that it looks egotistical or that, like, it's cringe and, like, I'll get teased, blah, blah. But, like, I kind of had to give up on those thoughts a long time ago because when I was about 13, I started a YouTube channel when I lived on Kangaroo Island, which is like a really small conservative town. And at the time, no one knew what YouTube was, like what a YouTuber was. Um, so I went through the teasing of that and I moved to the mainland and people would tease me for that. So I kind of got a thick skin about just like putting my creative stuff out there because... I mean, that's embarrassing. Like, when I watch the videos now, I'm like, damn, that's embarrassing. And it was. But it was so, like, monumental in my journey with self-doubt and my journey with self-expression. Because at the end of the day, it really benefited me because I was able to practice video editing, which I'm now pretty confident in. And I was able to practice putting myself out there and just learning to grow a thick skin about what people think because I loved doing it anyway. And I would say that starting the podcast hasn't really been that nerve-wracking for me because I already went through that YouTube channel. And I would also argue that the podcast is just like a matured growth from the YouTube channel. Like, at the end of the day, it's still just an online space where I'm talking about, like, whatever the fuck I want to talk about. I have been doing a lot of journaling recently And um, my journaling has actually really helped me to kind of change my perspective on things. So basically what I've been doing lately is I struggle with anxiety and I've been trying to, over the last three years, I've been trying to find like good ways to cope with it. And it's been really hard. I have only just now started to kind of more understand my anxiety and understand my thought processes after seeing a psychologist and so what I've been doing with my journal is every time I experience like a really like some negative feelings like if I experience anxious thoughts anxiety depressed like bouts of depression or anything instead of beating myself up for that which I used to do and my natural instinct is to do or instead of like being like why do I feel like this there's something wrong with me 
um, this is horrible, like this is not what I want my life to be like, because those are the thoughts that I used to have every time I would feel those negative feelings. I write it down and I see what I can learn from it. So it's just like any challenge. Oh, you struggled a lot with like a history test or something. You're obviously you're gonna like write down the bits that you learn and like what you can take away from it so that you're better for next time. So that's what I've been doing with um, my feelings that I've been having and my negative thoughts and like these experiences, I haven't been looking looking at them in such a negative light, like, oh, there's something wrong with me, this is not what I want my life to be like. I have been actually knowing that this is actually what growth feels like and um, there's something, there's like wisdom to take away from every negative experience or hard experience. Everyone, I'm sure, with anxiety would relate to this, like avoiding situations that make you anxious. So like going on the bus makes me really anxious for some reason. So I would just kind of avoid it, avoid it because it was hard and I felt like it was wrong that I felt anxious to be on there. I wouldn't really accept that that makes me anxious because I would feel ashamed, I guess. But now I will try to catch the bus and then afterwards I will kind of journal or something and say, what did I take away from that? Like, yes, that was hard, but what did I take away from that? Um, instead of being like, oh, I can't believe I felt so anxious for stupid bus rides, you know? So I thought I would just basically, I guess, go through my journal and talk about some of the things that have been on my mind recently. And I've also been collecting quotes and stuff that I thought were really good and writing down all my little realizations. So I thought I would kind of put this out there. I don't know whether anyone would find this interesting or not, but I've been trying to be more vulnerable on the podcast because I know that hearing other people talk about this stuff really helps me and makes me feel normal. So here we go. <laughs> the first realization that I wrote down in my journal was that no, there is no normal. So I know this one sounds so obvious, but um, I found myself getting in um, thought processes whenever I felt anxious, whenever I felt depressed, I would be like, oh, why can't I just be normal? And I said that out loud to like, the people around me and everyone was like what's normal and I really thought like you know normal like you don't struggle with any mental illnesses blah blah but like um what you realize is that like most of the population struggles with mental illness and even if they aren't don't have like an a diagnosable illness they still struggle with like feelings of anxiety feelings of self-doubt like crippling feelings like that's a huge that's part of the human experience for some reason we just convince ourselves that we're not normal you know because we kind of think oh surely nobody else is experiencing the same like weird thoughts that I am because they don't look like they are but you can never know what's going on in everybody's head it wasn't like I heard that once and just believed it I've had to really like indoctrinate myself with that information that nobody is normal because I think I don't know whether it was because I grew up in like a more conservative town I don't know maybe I didn't really talk about my anxiety when I was younger with my friends and if I did people wouldn't really understand so 
maybe that's how I got in my brain that I wasn't normal but that's something that I've had to unlearn definitely the one of the things that is not helpful like if you're struggling with something like anxiety is like the shame that you feel with it like I feel of have to cope with a lot of shame around it like why am I so scared to catch the bus like or just like grow up you're so immature like why are you so incapable those really toxic thoughts like they happen on my day-to-day -day, and that's something you really have to unlearn because that will only add to the anxiety and you just get in your head like there's something really wrong with you it's just not the case my next realization was deep thinker not overthinker so a lot of my life I have seen my I have always been labeled I guess as an overthinker um, and I've taken on that label for myself as well and so I've always had such a negative connotation to it I've always been like oh I'm an overthinker as if it was like a really negative trait that only causes me a burden what I realized recently is that I should be not labeling myself as an overthinker and labeling myself as a deep thinker because there are so many qualities that comes come along with being a deep thinker that aren't necessarily like overthinking every situation like I think overthinking can be a symptom of being a deep thinker but it's not everything like the same qualities that allow me to overthink are the same qualities that let me have really in-depth conversations with myself where which I think is so cool like I think it's really cool that you can just be walking along and have like a massive debate in your own head and like you can actually learn things from talking with yourself inside your own head without anyone else around you and like I think that I've always overlooked that aspect of it because I've always been like oh I'm just an overthinker like I should stop overthinking everything like I'm just crazy I guess like what I know now is that it's actually a really special skill because it means that I can always learn something I can um, take meaning away from things with just inside my own head so I don't know I think um, we are so quick to just be like, oh I'm an overthinker like oh he's an overthinker blah blah like so negative um, and just look at it as a negative trait but I think when it um, to get a better like perspective of yourself and your identity I think it's important to notice like the good qualities of being a deep thinker rather than an overthinker Another thing that I've been realizing lately, um, another one to do with anxiety, um, and I guess, well not just anxiety, like growth in general, um, you're always going to have times where you feel uncomfortable, where you feel uncomfortable in your body, or you feel uncomfortable in your head, in your thoughts, in a place with people, um, in a new situation where you feel unqualified. And the trick is never, is not never feeling uncomfortable. The trick is getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. So that quote helped me um, because I think, as I said, I beat myself up a lot when I'm having negative thoughts, when I'm scared in a situation where I don't need to be scared, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I always feel like I'm going badly in life, I guess. But really, you're always going to feel uncomfortable and you just have to learn not to be scared of those feelings. Um, and that's something that like, if you have anxiety, that's like so helpful because a lot of times you can just feel anxious about being anxious. But now if when you learn your triggers and you just know that sometimes you get anxious, 
it's not so scary. Like, you know, nothing bad is really going to happen. Like, what's going to happen is you're going to feel anxious and you just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Something else that I've realized through um, seeing a psychologist about anxiety is just, I don't really know if this is like a serious technique, but what I've been doing is kind of trying to stop my thoughts be before they turn into feelings. So like a lot of my anxiety comes from like health anxiety. So I'll be like, oh, do I have a headache? And then I will feel that thought. Like I'll feel like, oh, I have a headache. Like physically it will kind of manifest but it's all in my thoughts if that makes sense um so i realized that kind of the trick is um if i have a thought like i've got a headache or like i'm gonna faint or something the trick is recognizing like that's a thought that is an intrusive thought and what i realized like as well about anxiety is that like basically it's just like a bunch of intrusive thoughts that you actually internalize as feelings so like I'll be like, I'm going to faint. And then if I don't catch that thought, it will turn into a feeling and I'll be like, oh my God, I'm actually going to faint and I'll feel so scared, you know? But if I catch it as a thought and be like, oh, I just had an intrusive thought that I was going to faint. Intrusive thoughts happen and I have them all the time, but I don't faint. So if you, you kind of have to like really catch that thought in your head and say that in your head. Um, before you internalize that as a feeling. I don't know if that's really a realization, but that's a technique that I've been using that helped a lot. It's hard to do, definitely. Like, I still, obviously, haven't, like, fucking cured my anxiety, you know? But there are a lot of times that previously I would have internalized it as feelings and I would have just got hell anxious that now I just recognize it as an intrusive thought and move on. So I think a lot of my realizations have been to do with kind of language and labels and how you see yourself. Because I think from the moment that we are young, we are labeled as certain things. Well, we label ourselves as an overthinker. We limit ourselves and our capabilities. Like, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at this. I can't do this. I can't do that. And like, that really limits you in your life. And it also can give you a really negative uh, perspective of yourself and kind of you tie your identity to these negative traits or these traits that you think you aren't good in. So words like normal, like that was such a big part of my vocabulary, like I'm not normal, but obviously I'm unlearning now that there is actually no normal. Like what does normal actually mean um, as a word? And just the whole deep thinker versus overthinker label as well. Like that was so tied to my identity and it affected my behavior and the way that I saw myself. So another thing that kind of ties into the whole language is I was just thinking about labels in terms of relationships. So for some reason, the word boyfriend and girlfriend just made me feel kind of weird. Like it didn't really sit right with me. And the reason was is because in my head, I tied that to kind of really juvenile relationships so like the connotations that come along with the word boyfriend is like when you're in high school and when your people that you haven't seen in a long time are like do you have a boyfriend you know when you're in middle school and it's like their boyfriend and girlfriend like and then I feel like when you get into adult relationships I feel like the word boyfriend and girlfriend doesn't really do it justice because it's like well you're not really just a boy that's a friend you know um and I was like 
I felt really guilty for thinking that. I was like, oh, why do I feel weird about saying, like, boyfriend? I felt, I felt bad, like, oh, would this hurt someone if I'm not, if I don't like that word? But then I realised that a far better word for me is the word partner. And I know that partner is already widely used, especially if, like, you're in a relationship where you are, like, non-binary. Um, it's always better to use partner because it's gender neutral. And I, that's something else I really like about it as well. It's like, well, it's not really any of your business what gender my partner is. Like, if I'm talking about my partner, you know? I like that that word says, like, it's none of your business. Like, I feel like boyfriend and girlfriend is very specific. It's like, they're my boy and a friend. But it's like, well, you're not a boy and my friend. Like, we are together. Like, we're a team in this life. And I think that partner kind of like embodies that a lot. And it also is open for like whatever rules you want to have you around your relationship. If you have, if you say this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend, people have rules and stipulations that they put against that word. Whereas if you say this is my partner, like they can't really judge the rules that you might have in your own unique partnership. Like a partner in what, you know, like a partner in life, a partner for this time of life, like it's really just like, I think, a far better word to use for me personally. Like some people might love using the word like girlfriend, boyfriend, because it comes with all those connotations. Like that might be something that you really want. But I just like partner because I think it sounds more like it's none of your business and we're a team, you know, we're a partnership, we're a team. It's more than just like, you're my friend and you're a boy, you know what I mean? That's just a thought that I had. It's not really introspective, but it's more about like relationships, I guess. So something that I've really been struggling with lately, and to be honest, I still don't really know a technique to use yet. So if you do struggle with the same thing and you have a usable technique, please let me know. But it's soaking up other people's stress. So this happens like within my family, with it when I'm working in a team for uni. Um, if someone else is stressed, and even if I feel like everything is under control, like I'm ready and set to go. But if someone else is stressed, I will just soak in that energy, like soak in that stress, and I myself will become stressed. And I really am trying to grow a thicker skin for that. I don't want to um, sound like, while, while I'm reading all these realizations out, as if I'm like enlightened in some way, like I have all the answers, obviously fucking not. But um, please let me know if you have any tips for that kind of thing, because that's something that I really want to work on. We'll get to some quotes now that I have recorded that I've seen on social media that I feel like have some wisdom in there. So one is normalize admitting that you care. So that's a pretty popular one. But like I'm a person who am, is just like I really care about my relationships, my personal relationships, my friendships, my family relationships. And like when I was younger, I was really scared of like letting people know how much I cared about them, how much I cared about like a particular relationship or a particular friendship and I was just like so embarrassed about it because like when you're a teenager I guess you just want to be cool like you want to be I think like as a girl as well sometimes you are you feel like you need to be that really cool girl who like doesn't care about like whether you hook up with other people like you don't want to be outed for like having feelings for someone or you don't want to be seen as like someone who's like so desperate for friends but like 
when I was a teenager especially it's like I wanted I cared so much like about my friendships and like it's just such a shame that I was made to think that that was something that I should be embarrassed about whenever I had feelings for someone I would never tell them like never like because I would feel like so embarrassed about it and like I would be like why would I tell them because why would they like me back you know and that's just like so many self-confidence issues like rolled into one behavior but now that I think about it it's like what is really the worst thing that could have happened if I just kind of put myself out there in that way either to a friend someone that I had feelings for it's like what's the worst that could have happened but at the time it just seemed like the whole world was going to end if I ever like showed people really how much I cared and then whenever I would like I would always kind of look for openings like with my friends like if someone said if someone if one of my friends like someone that I wasn't really that close with which was trying to get closer with like would have a moment of vulnerability I would then I would be like so shocked like oh my god they feel like that too like oh like and then I would just like tell them like something like oh oh but I really like wanted to be your friend like I'm so glad that blah 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 and after that I would just always be like oh why would I say why did I say that like that's so lame like and I think it's so sad that when you're a kid um when you're a teenager and you feel things like so passionately and you feel things so intensely it's like you think you have to hide it and yeah I'm so over that like surround yourself with people who you feel comfortable expressing that too and who will express it back that's what I learned now it's like it's not like it's wrong to not be expressive because some people just aren't like some people don't have the need to give out affirmation and to receive affirmation back but if you are one of those people it's so important that you surround yourself with other people who are expressive of their feelings like that because otherwise you can just feel really isolated and you can feel like you're hiding yourself you feel like you have to change yourself even though that are people out there who like feel who want the same things out of friendships and relationships as you do so yeah so this is a quote that i saw someone say on tiktok um so it's kind of like deep it has the word cosmic role like i'm not really sure what that means but i think there was a message that i liked i liked about this quote as a whole so it says your cosmic role is to not attach yourself to anything in this experience, the moment you attach yourself to a pet peeve, you will materialise someone to act upon said pet peeve. This to me means you can make like a pet peeve or something you're not good at part of your identity, but as soon as you do that, it's going to actually kind of manifest into your real life. So if, if I was to be like, oh, part of my identity is that I get really frustrated by disorganised people or something automatically that would mean that I would allow myself to be affected by other people being disorganized or something and like why would you make that a part of your identity you know like why would you make a pet peeve a part of who you are we do that so much like we are like oh I don't do that or I can't handle that like I could never do that like all these can'ts and don'ts we make them a part of our identity and then we just like limit ourselves through it and if and I am a very like rigid thinker like I make a lot of rules a lot of structure in my own head and so because of that I am prone to doing this like I'm prone to being like oh I'm not that kind of person and they are like they're not that kind of person and I am like 
so I should excel in this and blah blah shoulds, don'ts, can'ts, like all these limits that you, I am setting for myself is really limiting like my growth and it's affecting how I see myself because I see myself attached to all of these negative things even though I just really don't need to be and I'm sure that I would have a lot more appreciation for myself if I didn't attach those pet peeves or those things I'm not good at to who I am at my core. Okay, so this quote is like, <laughs> it's a bit silly. Well, it's not silly. It's actually really good, but it's just one of the words, like, it uses the word gaslighting, and that is kind of turned into a massive meme, meme word, so I'm sorry that this is a bit cringe. But also, I'm not sorry that this is a bit cringe, because it's true. So, it says, when I doubt the truth of my intuition, I'm gaslighting my soul. So, okay, I feel stupid saying that. But basically, the reason I like this quote is because, especially if you struggle with a lot of intrusive or anxious thoughts, it can sometimes override your intuition, and you can think that you can confuse your anxiety with your intuition and it's so hard to tell the difference. And so when you doubt your your intu intuition, like when you doubt your actual feelings, you are technically like gaslighting yourself and like you would never let anyone else do that to you. So why are you doing that to yourself? So something I realized as well is um I've been trying to take myself out on more dates, I guess, like by myself, like self date, <laughs> spending more time with myself going outside the house because this is something that actually gives me quite a bit of anxiety because I'm really self-conscious like I've just always been so self-conscious about how other people perceive me even if I like even if at my core I don't care what they think whenever I go out and do something in public on my own I just am so acutely aware about how I'm perceived there are certain things I've been trying to do to like push through this so I've been trying to like go to cafes by myself what I realize is that when you do something hard when you do something that like triggers some negative thoughts for you like it's not gonna be super fun so like with going out to a cafe I know that that is something I enjoy I love going to cafes but when I first start to do it by myself it's never just gonna be super fun and just because it's not super fun at the start doesn't mean that like oh that's not really my thing like we're so quick to put a label on it, like, oh, that's not my thing, you know? But I know that eventually it will be, um, and it's never going to be super fun at the start. When you do it more and more, maybe it just might become super fun. That's something I have to keep reminding myself of, because it's like, if I just keep avoiding all this stuff, you know, I'm making myself miss out on things that I could actually really enjoy. Alright, so I have three more quotes the first one um, is to do with the MBTI personality type. So that's something I've been really like nerding out with recently is just Myers-Briggs personality type. So if you don't know what that is, basically you do the you can do a test on 16personalities.com and actually a lot of people in the kind of MBTI community say that that is not like the right thing to do because apparently that test isn't accurate for your personality type, but whatever. That's what I use because for me, it's a fun little hobby. My type is um, an ENFJ and basically my whole life I've always been really extroverted. As in, I've always craved social interaction. Like, 
it's harder for me to be alone. Social interaction is how I recharge and get inspired. I've always also labeled myself as shy. When you first meet me, I'm shy. And I've always kind of beat myself up a little bit for never being as loud as other extroverts. So like a lot of my friends are like ENFPs or something and I would always just be like, oh, like, we're both really extroverted, but like, why am I so much quieter than you? Like, why don't I have the confidence to like walk up to a random stranger and start a conversation so easily as they seem to do? I really can relate deeply to introverts. I've always felt like they get a certain part of me that maybe extroverts don't really understand about me. And I've always been really confused about this part of myself because obviously I am really extroverted. This quote really summed it up and it made me realize like, oh, this is actually okay. This is a thing, you know? So it said ENFJ, the reserved extrovert. The typical hallmark of an extrovert is someone who is outgoing, energetic, and loves being around other people. This does apply to ENFJs, but this type is more reserved than other extroverts. This is because ENFJs place significant importance on other people's feelings. If an ENFJ worries that their own self-expression would stifle someone else's, they will step out of the spotlight to allow the other person to shine. An ENFJ's top priority is always to bring out the best in others so they only show the parts of themselves that they will feel benefit that goal. Never think an ENFJ is being rude, they actually have your best interests in mind. So I don't know, that quote really spoke to me because it kind of helped me to understand myself better. I'm always the person like if we're talking and two people start talking at the same time, like if I start talking at the same time as someone else, I will always like let the other person speak. and. That's actually something that if I'm in a group of a really loud group of people, I actually have to try and make myself not do that because otherwise I never like get a word in even though I actually have a lot that I want to say. This next quote is about FOMO, so like fear of missing out. It says, what lies behind FOMO is the fear of being forgotten. As we re-enter collective spaces with joy and confusion, the energy we've held onto for the past year seems to be bursting forth from our vessels. FOMO triggers my internalized self-disposability and my insecure ego thinks that I lack relevance if I'm not perpetually seen, active or socializing. Unlearning these ideas means taking the time to remember yourself, even when you are not in attendance, and even if you choose to rest. Your inherent worth is not measured by your visibility. Do not miss out on your very own miracle. And that was written by Mimi Zhu. I have gotten over my FOMO these days, but that's a quote that really would have helped me when I was younger, especially in my teen years when parties first start happening and you think you have to go to every one otherwise if you miss one like people will forget about you and you won't get invited anymore and like that is such a thing when you're young it's like the biggest fear it's like if I miss this party like I am just not gonna matter anymore you know <laughs> what I realize now is like damn if you're hanging out with people who actually make you feel like that you probably need to find some new friends <laughs> like if you because, like, for a while, I was probably hanging out with people where it's, like, I would get forgotten. And, like, there's a lot of times in my life where I have been forgotten. And I think I kind of carried that insecurity with me. And I, I thought it was normal. Like, I let myself be treated as if I was disposable. Because I thought that's just how... That was just the game, you know? That's the game. It's really not. Like, <laughs> I don't think you should ever let anyone treat you, like 
your disposable, your your convenience. If you you could be easily forgotten, so you have to keep showing up. You have to be invited to everything. Like it takes a toll on you. Like it's exhausting to do that. It really is. But I think at the time, looking back, it's like having friends and having to play that game to keep being invited to things and keep maintaining those friends is was better to me than being alone and having no friends that I felt like I fit in with. When you're a kid in high school I think a lot a lot of things just come out of like survival trying to survive you know so sometimes you do have to play the game sometimes it's just necessary in order to feel like you are not so alone then sometimes I do think hey maybe I would have been a lot less exhausted if I had just realized earlier like oh maybe I'd just be better better off like doing my own thing and being alone than trying to keep up with everything. I think that at the time I was probably just so scared to be alone because I was also just not really comfortable with that yet. This quote I really like, um, it says, maybe the goal shouldn't be constant joy or happiness but peace, a cool neutral, to experience life with a balance center no matter what. So I like this quote because recently I had this thought and I actually went around and asked people, um, are most of your days okay and some are good or are most of your days good and some okay? Because this comes back to the whole idea of normal. I kind of had in my head, oh, normal people have a good day every day and then some of them are just like, meh, okay, you know? But my days um, were usually okay and then some were good days and I thought this is not what life's meant to be like blah 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 but the more and more people I asked I discovered that that actually is the experience for most people so I think that a lot of times we can think like well <laughs> a lot of times I can think if um I'm not experienced like really intense joy I think that I'm sad or grumpy and I don't really recognize the feeling of contentment when it enters so I think that instead of striving for that, like for the extreme emotions, like maybe the best thing to do is strive for just peace, kind of get comfortable with neutrality. That brings me to the end um, of <laughs> basically going through my journal. I hope that this podcast episode kind of like sparked some thoughts for you, like maybe it got you thinking about some of the topics I touched on, maybe. I'm hoping that people listening have experienced some of the struggles that I've touched on or some of the quotes also spoke to them or something and made them feel less alone. Um, that's kind of the goal of this I guess because I think that a lot of the things I'm thinking about lately a lot of people in my age group probably think about as well um, and yeah hopefully this podcast as a whole unqualified and unafraid can help people to think like to realize that everyone has these feelings and it's all just a big journey and we just have to face it and be unafraid. Even if we feel a bit shit and unqualified, we can all try and get through it and learn on the way. If you enjoyed the solo episode, let me know and maybe I'll do more. You can follow the Instagram at youandyou underscore podcast. And thanks for listening.